one of the fears for many LGBTI people in aged care that have dementia is that as their dementia progresses over time, they fear that they may forget their gender or not be able to communicate that or even their current relationships and that they may be, you know, automatically assumed to be a particular gender or assumed to be heterosexual or assumed that their bodies look a certain way. Silver Adventures is a content and technology company dedicated to improving the lives of older adults through immersive virtual reality experiences. And this podcast is our opportunity to hear from industry experts, thought leaders, and passionate individuals to share with you their knowledge, expertise, and experiences. Welcome to the Age Care Enrichment Podcast. Hello there, my name's Ash, this is the Aged Care Enrichment Podcast, and today's episode is a follow-on from last week's conversation with Dr. Catherine Barrett about sex and sexuality in aged care. This week, I spoke to Rob Hardy from LGBTIQ Plus Health Australia, or LHA for short, about supporting LGBTI older adults in care and some barriers and challenges to care that we may not have thought of. LHA are the peak body focusing on health services for LGBTIQ Australians, and they tackle areas such as mental health, disability, palliative, and also aged care through their project Silver Rainbow, which you can find out more about on their website, lgbtiqhealth.org.au. As with last week's interview, this can be a challenging topic for some people, and Rob does a great job of explaining what all the letters mean, what are some common experiences for LGBTI people, and how we can be sensitive and supportive of people's gender and sexuality, even if it all feels a bit unfamiliar. I'm going to keep the intro short and sweet for today. I hope you enjoy this thought-provoking interview with Rob Hardy. Rob, thanks for joining us on the program today. Hi, Ash. Nice to be here. Great to have you. We've had a few phone conversations beforehand, but finally got you on the line. Now, people might not know who you are, Rob. What do you do? Who are you? So, I'm Rob Hardy. My pronouns are uh, he, him. And I work for LGBTIQ Plus Health Australia, and I'm the Director of Training and Capacity Building. Awesome. Okay. So, if you haven't guessed, people listening, we are talking about LGBTI issues and, and challenges in aged care today. And Rob from LGT, oh, LBG, <laughs> this is going to happen multiple times. LGBTIQ Plus Health Australia is going to help us out. Okay. So, LHA for short. Yeah. What do you guys do broadly? Yeah, LHA is the um, peak organisation in Australia for LGBTIQ plus health. So we work at a national level and we have a number of member organisations in every state and territory that we work and support to roll out programs to improve the health of um, LGBTIQ plus Australians. So, yeah, we do a lot of work around advocacy, policy and research at the government level. And we also deliver a number of programs and, and coordinate them across the country. So that includes programs across um, mental health and suicide prevention. And we're also currently doing programs um, for people with disability, looking at improving palliative care services so they're more inclusive, and, of course, aged care. Yeah, awesome. So covering a, a broad area there. To begin with, why don't we start by unpacking all the letters in LGBTIQ+. 
because yeah. I, I feel like for some of our listeners, they may not understand what each of these mean. And, and I myself am a little bit uncertain. So can you lead us off here, Rob? Yeah, so the acronym LGBTIQ+, you probably hear more and more of it, and, and it's changed a bit over time. So, you know, there is quite a history to that, and language has changed um, over time. And, and sometimes for people, it can be a little bit hard to sort of keep up with those changes. But when we're talking about LGBTIQ+, we're talking about many communities within that. It's not just one community, and there's a lot of diversity um, within those groups as well. So we're talking about sexual orientation or sexual identity, that's lesbian, gay, bisexual. So essentially that diversity of who we're attracted to, and that's probably one that people are, are most familiar with. We're also talking about gender identity. So people who are transgender or sometimes trans for short, or sometimes people may refer that as being gender diverse. So for people who the gender that they were assigned at birth does not match their, their gender, you know, how they live their lives. And also the I is for uh, intersex. Uh, and this refers to people who have physical characteristics that are not typically male or female according to um, medical norms. So this can make maybe variations in chromosomes, hormones, reproductive organs, and they've visible physical features. So we're talking about a group that have some shared experience around being marginalised by society, experiencing stigma and discrimination. But within those experiences, there's a lot of diversity as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that really highlights some of the confusion that I've felt in the past, which is that there's two sort of broad groups here between sexual preference and gender identity that are paired into one group. I noticed that you left off Q plus there. And I think we've spoken previously about this, that Q plus is not so much spoken about in the aged care context. Could you explain why? Yeah. So queer is um, something that people might hear more and more of. People may use the term queer as an umbrella term for LGBTI Mm -hmm. to include everyone. So it can be used in that way, but also people at an individual level may also identify as queer. And this is to represent a range of, you know, different sexual orientations and gender identities. So, for example, for people who don't identify as heterosexual Mm -hmm. but don't necessarily want to identify as gay or bi. So in terms of when we're working and and supporting and and referring to older LGBTI um, people, we generally don't use the word queer. The word queer has been used historically as a term of offence. It may remind people of particularly negative or traumatic experiences, whether that's Mm -hmm. physical or verbal violence. And particularly for older Australians, that term can be quite offensive and can remind them of, I guess, our past experiences that um, are very negative. Um, So that's not to say that some older people might not identify mm-hmm. as queer but from what we know from research and, and and speaking to older lgbti australians that by and large that that term isn't generally seen as acceptable or respectful and the plus is there to refer to people with other diverse sexualities or diverse gender identities yeah 
Awesome. I can imagine that for people who are working in aged care or working with older adults, just as a representation of the population, there's a lot of people who don't have a lot of experience with this community or these communities and, and may not feel comfortable in interacting with people or unsure what to say or they, as I did earlier, might mix up the letters or something like this and, and feel like it's a really drastic thing. But it's not drastic at all, is it? It's, it's not such a big deal to make a small mistake, is it? No, I think if people understand that you're trying to get to know the person, understand them better, and that's with an intention of respect and to listen and hear about the story, I think a, you know, a little slip up in, in a word or a language is generally understood. Mm. And I think it's also an opportunity just to ask the person, you know, well, what term do you find comfortable? Mm. How would you like to be referred to? Um, how do you describe your gender or your sexuality? Yeah, that's that's great. And it's not dissimilar to when we've had people on the show talking about ageism and, and challenging the language that you're using, that you should just have an open mind and don't be offended if somebody pushes back or asks you to frame things in a different way. So going into the varying experiences of people, of older adults, LGBTI, older adults, could you maybe explain that from my understanding depending on when someone grew up, they may have had a vastly different experience in coming out or in realizing who they were and their gender identity. Could you maybe give us an overview for people who might be over 50, what the sort of experiences they might have had could be? Yeah, it is really important to look at this from sort of a historical perspective. We need to remember that older Australians um, who are currently in aged care grew up in the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and their experience of living in the world as an LGBTI person is very different to um, the world that we see around us now. As many of us will know, we've seen in the last few decades huge advances in LGBTI rights, particularly for gay and lesbian rights. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen uh, laws change. We've seen the Marriage Act change as well. These have all been very affirming. So for older Australians who grew up in a different generation, it was very different uh, from today in that just being who you are was illegal. Being gay or transgender was illegal. It was criminalised and people went to jail. There was a huge fear just living and going about your day-to-day life and the need to maintain a heterosexual life or to hide your uh, true gender identity was a way that people live in Mm. secrecy and quiet and in fear from losing your job, being arrested by police. So these experiences earlier in life that were quite traumatic may be relived later Mm. in life when um, going into a um, residential aged care facility in particular or just accessing aged care services. So LGBTI older people based on their previous experience, may particularly fear going into like a government service because there's been a lack Mm. of um, trust um, in government services and perhaps a very negative experience in uh, accessing services in the past. Yeah, wow. I I never thought that just having an association with government could be a a trigger for a memory or, or some past trauma there. Yeah. So even just accessing an aged care service can be a huge barrier because of that lack of trust and poor experiences with services in the past. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Say that somebody does come into a residential aged care facility. Are you hearing that there are challenges inside the facility or in the move in for LGBTI older Australians that they might 
revert to old ways or start thinking differently about the identity than they had been previously? One of the really key challenges is that people may have lived most of their life with some degree of secrecy Mm. around their identity or their life experiences. And going into an aged care facility can be, you know, a really vulnerable situation where kind of everything about you may be then out in the open. So there can be a fear that they won't be accepted or treated fairly or just not understood. Mm. And for some, that fear may be so great that they may decide to stay in the closet or go back in the closet and not feel comfortable in living their authentic life and expressing them true selves. And so, of course, that can be a real a real challenge for people. Are LGBTI older adults who are in residential aged care, are there cases of discrimination that you guys are hearing about or specific challenges that are coming up that aren't happening to people who aren't LGBTI? Yeah, I think for many it is the difficulty in choosing an aged care provider and knowing which ones might be more LGBTI inclusive and accepting. And I guess for everyone in their home, they want to know that they can feel safe and be them true selves and, and supported in that way. And at the moment, it's really is difficult to um, ascertain which aged care providers might be more LGBTI inclusive than others. There's some work being done by the Department of Health around working with aged care providers to have some standards around identifying which aged care providers have meet certain criteria so that they can call themselves an inclusive service. But at the moment, it's just really up to the aged care provider to provide that information themselves without any real kind of uh, standard or mm. accreditation uh, that comes with that. So I think that, that it is a real challenge. From the very beginning, it can be really difficult to work out which provider might be right for you. Mm. What would you guys like to see as standards of practice to be an inclusive provider? What we'd like to see is that there's a minimum standard of training uh, for staff mm. within those facilities. And also that's maintained over over time, of course, because there is turnover of staff. So doing one-off training is really not a solution. It needs to be an ongoing commitment to training. And training is only really one part of the solution there. Individuals and workers work within a culture and within an organisation. So there needs to be leadership work done by um, the organisations that are policy and a resourcing and at a cultural level within the organisation to ensure it's inclusive both for LGBTI older people, but also for staff that might work um, mm. for the organisation as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Staff might might also be diverse in that way and and might want to be working for a provider who is inclusive. Yeah. And so it goes from everything from the very beginning, from when a person first engages with an aged care provider and we're collecting information from that person and ensuring that we ask questions in a, an inclusive way. It might not be, you know, are you married or were you married? Mm. You know, it might be more, do you currently have a partner or have you had a partner in the past? Would be a much more inclusive way to ask questions. And then really getting to know the person, getting to know building the trust and rapport with the person, uh, learning about their lived experience and their life can be a really good way to get to know the person. And then once that trust and rapport is built, 
someone is more likely then to share, you know, other important aspects of their identity or their life um, with you. And that can be really important. One of the fears for many LGBTI people in aged care that have dementia is that as their dementia progresses over time, they fear that they may forget their gender or not be able to communicate that or even their current relationships and that they may be, you know, automatically assumed to be a particular gender or assumed to be heterosexual or assume that their bodies look a certain way. And so that can be a real fear as dementia progresses. So I think it's really important to get to know the person really well and document things like their terms, their pronouns, a bit of their life history, and that's documented so that person can be um, supported and uh, treated respectfully throughout that journey. Hey, did you know we launched a new show this season? Hello, I'm here with Daniela Greenwood. And I'm here with Maury Voicey Barland. That's right, Daniela and Maury are back and they're joining us every Friday for their new show, Who Cares? Where they'll be taking a quizzical look at some of aged care's challenges and exploring what they mean for all of us working in the industry. I'm really stumped by how what the resolution is here because I think there's a lot to dig into. You would have been better working at McDonald's, Murray, because I they've got a good set. I could have been somebody, Daniela. <laughs> I could have been somebody. You are a somebody, Murray. You and the more I learn about you, you're an amazing oh, somebody. Oh, thank you. I think the same. It's a double dose of podcast fun each week, and you can find it right here in the Ace Feed every Friday. You're going to be the new Minister of Ageing if it's the last thing I do. Yeah, that's a great point to bring up dementia there. We spoke to Dr. Catherine Barrett last week about sex and sexuality in aged care. And she was speaking about that some people who have advanced age dementia, their identity, their sexual identity will change as well. And they might start expressing that in a way that they're not, they've never done before or that people around them aren't used to. But it's interesting that from the other side, people who've, who are LGBTI might be concerned that they would either lose that ability to express it or that people wouldn't recognise it. It's a very complex sort of uh, equation there, isn't it? Yeah, and look, one of the things that LHA has developed in recent years is uh, something called the Gender Passport. Mm-hmm. So it's like a little booklet and uh, the person can complete that and fill it in with their names and how they, with their pronouns, what might be some of their particular needs around supporting them, their health and their body, if they have particular needs around that as well. Mm -hmm. So this gender passport can be completed and can be a record uh, for that person and used as a reference for those supporting the person. So they have an understanding of what the person's needs are and can provide that care that affirms that person's gender or sexual identity or intersex status. I think one of the other really important factors is the social isolation that LGBTI people may um, experience in an aged care setting. You know, they may not have children that can visit. They may be separated from their community and their family as well. And these are factors that can further, I guess, entrench isolation for LGBTI people in aged care settings. Yeah, so would you say that there is a greater chance of sort of isolation and loneliness for LGBTI older Australians than not? Yeah, I think um, the research is telling us that isolation is an issue for many um, people 
in aged care facilities mm. for LGBT oldest Australians, I guess they're more vulnerable to that isolation. They are more likely to, particularly for this generation, to perhaps be estranged mm. um, from family members. Right. And while there are LGBTI people that have had children, most in that generation will not have children that they can kind of rely on advocating or supporting them. Mm. It reminds me of the idea of family, that family can encompass, you know, people that you're choosing to bring in and that it not necessarily is a biological relationship, but it's it's an elective one. So maybe that's something for people who work in aged care to be aware of as well, that if somebody is calling them their family, though they are not sharing a last name or sharing any sort of blood connection, that doesn't mean that they're not family to that individual. Yeah, that's right. That That's a really important um, thing to understand. We call that a chosen family, mm. and this can include, yeah, a family of choice, and they may take the role of what would be typically expected of a family member. But as, you know, as we talked about earlier, LGBTI people are more likely to be estranged from their family, either at the point that they came out or because of the gender that they are. So they formed their own families uh, from the communities around them. And, and that's very important for providers to understand is that it may not be a biological family member mm. that the person wants to be involved in decisions or, or in their care. It may be someone from their chosen family. Yeah. Well, one aspect which can be challenging for people is the subject of pronouns. And thank you, thank you for starting off with your pronouns of he, him. Now, maybe you can just explain, and I know we might have to take a step back here, but to explain that what pronouns are and how we can best respect people's intentions by using them and maybe some ways around the awkwardness of asking at times. Yeah, we use pronouns already in everyday conversation mm. and, and it's the way that we refer to someone in a, in a gendered way. And for someone who's transgender, having their gender affirmed correctly in the language that we use is really important for them. And for others, they may want to be referred to in non-gendered ways. So they may prefer they or them. Mm. And so by kind of, I guess, normalising within our society, just checking in with people or introducing ourselves with our pronouns, we're kind of creating a much more inclusive environment where um, people who are trans and gender diverse can feel comfortable and safe and feel respected and affirmed in their gender. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And and I can see that if you're unfamiliar with it or perhaps if you feel like there's some something incongruous between the way that somebody looks to you and the way that they're wishing to be described or the pronouns they like, that could be particularly difficult, especially I imagine in the case of older adults who as a society, I don't think we're as used to the idea of older adults expressing a desire to be referred to in a different way. How can you navigate that? So one takeaway thing I think would be to each time that you engage with a new person, just think to yourself, this person could be LGBTI, you know, not to go in making assumptions that everyone is heterosexual until proven otherwise, mm. you know, or yeah, yeah. that they're, um, you know, not transgender until proven otherwise. That's great. And something that I've observed myself doing when I'm unsure about pronouns, instead of just making an assumption, just keep using their name as another way of doing it. Instead of saying, 
assuming that the person whose name is John prefers he, him, I could just say, well, mm. John prefers X or John is over there. And there's no need to make it super specific, right? If you don't have a chance to clarify further. Yeah, that's right. I mean, there's always other options, isn't there? Using person's name is a really, really great one. Using they or them is also, you know, gender neutral as well and doesn't make assumptions um, about that person until maybe you've had time to get to know the person a little bit more, build that rapport and trust and and developed, I guess, a place where that person can be feel comfortable mm. to come out and share more about themselves if they want to. That's awesome. Are there other resources like that that would be that you guys have or that you know of that are helpful for either the residents themselves or for staff? Yeah, there's a couple of really um, great resources um, that I would point people in the direction of. LHA has recently worked with Dementia Support Australia to develop a new booklet and guidelines called LGBTI and Dementia. And this is about understanding changes in behaviour for LGBTI people living with dementia and how to support that person in a way that is trauma-informed and person-centred. So when we're talking about trauma-informed care, it's about acknowledging previous trauma in people's lives. And as a person develops dementia, previous trauma in their lives may be experienced again. So an example of that might be for that generation who grew up in the 50s, 60s, 70s, uh, conversion therapy was fairly commonplace. And this was often conducted by either in the medical setting through drugs or treatment or shock treatment um, was also Mm -hmm. used. Um, And it was also used by religious and um, institutions um, as a way of to what they believe was to treat someone's homosexuality or being Mm. transgender like it was an illness yeah like it was an illness so the medical uh, profession considered being gay or lesbian or transgender as a as a mental illness and something that needed to be treated and corrected and used you know a number of treatments that were just torturous and barbaric and uh, extremely traumatic for people Mm. and likewise in churches so returning to many of our aged care providers are affiliated with religious institutions as well so there's something to be very mindful of that i guess symbols or images or things that remind people could re-trigger some of those experiences from conversion therapy from the past clinical settings also may be a trigger for people who had negative experiences or traumatic experiences in in medical settings in the past as well. Mm, So so whether, to me, that says that, you know, we've already spoken about a government affiliation can be problematic, a religious affiliation can be problematic, and also clinical environments, which a lot of residential aged cares, well, they're coming from that clinical approach a lot of the time. Obviously not for every LGBTI older Australian is going to be um, upset or reminded of something by these aspects but these are factors to consider right when you're providing care or preparing to provide care yeah that's right so you know making environments which are as home-like as possible you know even staff in particular uniforms may remind people of some of these negative experiences in the past so I think ways that we can make these environments whilst needing to provide I guess high level care at times if we can make them appear as non-clinical as possible not only helps um, many 
LGBTI older people, but also just make it more inclusive for everyone as well in a more yeah, comfortable yeah. Um, environment. Yeah, nobody wants to live in a hospital. Do you think that there is a space or there would be benefits in, in having places that are for older Australians, exclusively for LGBTI older Australians? Yeah, so there there is one aged care facility that identifies as LGBTI specialists. Cool. I guess our take on would be that we want to make every single aged care facility in Australia inclusive. Well, I think there should be uh, choice, as much choice available within the sector as possible. I think also that an LGBTI person should expect that they could go to any aged care facility that is funded by the government and expect to be treated respectfully, to be welcomed and to have the individual support needs met. Yeah, that's great. Hey, Rob, we've we've covered lots of different stuff and I hope these ideas are percolating in people's brains as they think about maybe some individuals they know who might be LGBTI or maybe just challenging the way that they uh, they approach new people that they meet, whether they're older adults or not. People can find out more at lgbtiqhealth.org.au and there's also the Silver Rainbow page there. Rob, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Ash. Well, we hope you enjoyed this conversation. Don't forget that each Friday we've got a fresh episode of our new show, Who Cares?, in which Daniela and Maury take another look at the ideas we've been discussing in today's episode and how they might affect all of us working in the aged care industry. It's fun, thought-provoking, and just a little bit silly, and the good news is it's all right here in the podcast feed, so you don't have to click anywhere else, but if you want to make sure you don't miss out, hit the subscribe button and you'll find out exactly when that episode is available. Anyway, we'll see you next week.